I do understand both cultures. Thank you for taking the time to come here today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Yes. Tell me, where were you born? I was born in Japan. Is that right? Born and raised here. Now, I can tell from your complexion that one of your parents is of color. Yes. Is it your mother or your father? Father's African-American. Okay. And my mother's Japanese. Yes. Okay. And Are they still together? Yes. Yes. They live here right. in Japan, Tokyo. Is that right? Yes. Your father's African-American, so he's from the States. Yes. All right. And your mother's Japanese. Do you know where your mother was born? And yes, in Tokyo. Okay. She's from Tokyo? Yes. Yeah, in Tokyo. We all live here now, so. Like in central Tokyo, so. You have siblings? We, uh, I do. I do, yes. Right. One older and two younger. Age difference, about two years difference. And, and I think oh, my... You mean all of it? Yes, all of, of between all of us. Uh, the oldest one is... 36, I'm 34, and I might be wrong, but the younger one is 32, then just turned 30, right. I believe. Right. And what are the girls or boys? All boys. All, All boys. boys. All yes. boys. All right. Did you guys fight a lot when you were growing up? Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we fought. <laughs> Our father always stopped us. <laughs> is that right? And gave us a fair. Discipline. Okay. Well, what, what I wouldn't mean, say fair? punishment, but okay. discipline. Very discipline. So your father was pretty strict. Yes, I would say strict. Okay, yes. all right, all right. So you guys never fought around here? No, no. Right. Didn't want to. <laughs> because of the heat. Well, he used to spank you and hit uh, no, you and no. stuff? No, okay. no physical contact. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah. it was more verbal. Okay, verbal, okay. No insults. No right. insults, That's but right. the pressure. The pressure of it. What would, mm -hmm. what would he do? Like if he caught you guys doing stuff to each other, what would he do? Uh, physically, it was either a pinch. Okay. So I never, we never felt like it was like a physical attack. Right. It was more like a little punishment right. in that sense. Did he ever have you guys do anything with each other? No, we, right. we didn't. Um, we, we had to hug each other and say sorry. <laughs> so Is that right? I really love that. <laughs> I still do it to this day. <laughs> to this day. That's interesting. I, no, I really disliked that. You disliked that you liked it. After being mad at someone. Do you think he knew that? Do you think he knew that? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was, it was worse than getting into a fight. Was <laughs> so, it? so you guys had to think was, about that before you got yes. in the fight. It's like we had to hug. We had to hug each other, although we were still angry at the other. In hugging, apologize. That hurt our pride. <laughs> it's like, man, it's are, like you guys, are you guys? Are you guys? Are you guys close? Or are you guys far away from each other now? We're so tight. Right that, now. You think that might have helped it? Might have. <laughs> we knew yeah. how to keep our distance, <laughs> and I think that actually helped a lot. And we were always um, raised to watch each other's back. And at the younger, or earlier age, I think my older brother didn't want that. He didn't want he that? He didn't want that. I don't think he really liked that. No. Because he wanted to go out or venture out. And I was the type that stayed in by myself. But at the same time, in my mind, I had to go with him. In his mind, he probably thought he had to take me. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I was like, okay. 
Well, we're both losing, <laughs> so might as well <laughs> help Go each other out, right? <laughs> so, but eventually, uh, we had that feeling, but we never expressed that. And we eventually always, we ended up helping each other, protecting each other, and we always knew where we were. So there was not a time when we had to separate. We made sure where we, the other knew where we we're going. So I don't think there was a time in I don't know in our earlier age in our teens that we were lost or really didn't know where the other person went. So yeah, I think we grew up. We were raised real close in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, and That's still are still. Yeah. Are. That's interesting. Wait, wait, did you go to an international school or did you go to a Japanese school when you were a little kid? I went to both. Uh, As a little kid? As a little kid, I believe up to second grade, I was in an international school around Shibuya. Mm -hmm. right? We had homeschooling. I had homeschooling with my brothers for about two years, I believe. Yeah. Then went into a Japanese public school. Really? That lasted from fifth grade to, I would say, eighth grade. Okay. When we were pulled out again, <laughs> I see. To I like fifth grade, to eighth grade. Then you pulled out. Yes, into an international school. Uh -huh. Now during the Japanese public school time, I see. It made me feel like I couldn't associate. I had no trouble. I had no trouble being the outsider, but mm -hmm. I couldn't relate to most of the kids there. It seemed like they were a bit more immature. Or trying to figure themselves out. I see. And within the international school, they were, I would say, they were more themselves because of their security or probably because their parents really protected them. They seemed protected and more calm compared to the kids in the Japanese school that so I went didn't, to. So they didn't seem like they were curious about where they were going or what they were doing or who they were. The kids in the public school, right. um, they were more concerned about how they looked or how not to get teased or bothered, bullied. And that was their main concern. In the international school, of course, we were in an earlier age, so it might be a difference in age, but they seemed to be more concerned about how can we make, uh, make this place better or as in have more fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're focused on making it better rather than trying to survive. So that's what I felt and I didn't want to involve myself in that include myself so I stayed away. I believe the difference was I knew I was protected uh, by my parents and because of my brothers too and I would do the same for them too. So because of that I had um, a safety net I would say and mm -hmm. I didn't see that in most of the kids there. Even as a younger age that's what Are I Are you talking about the Japanese school? The now? Japanese school, yes. Right. That's what I felt. So that lasted till eighth grade and moving into back to the international school I noticed that I was being very protective of myself not to get bullied even if I stayed out they would try to pick on me try to test me so I had to stand my ground and put them down I didn't want to do that because I don't want to be engaged in any fight <laughs> it was at the international and, school. no sorry in the Japanese school oh, Japanese up, school. up to eighth grade eighth grade so they would they would try to bully you sometimes they tried or? They, they tried. But how did you stop that from happening? I either do not engage in that or I physically put them down okay. and tell them their place. Right. So I didn't want to hurt them or anything, so I stopped once they understood. I didn't, I didn't overdo it. Okay. So then people stopped touching me. Well, this was girls or boys? Uh, boys. Boys? Boys, yes. 
They would try to see if they were stronger than you. They were you. stronger or try English, different insults in English okay. if I reacted. But at the same time, I knew they didn't understand, so it didn't affect me. So once I went into international school, I've noticed after being in that new environment, I've noticed that I was being very protective defensive, which kind of worked out in a very good way because the international people being more open, they saw me as a different kind. Now, if you're in an international school, from my experience, it's better to be different. If you're in an international <laughs> in an, school? If you're in an international school. Why was that? Because everyone's the same. They actually welcome diversity. Okay. Yes. Right. And being, everyone being diverse, they are open in the same way. In my case, I was so closed. I didn't even notice it then <laughs> at the mm -hmm. time, but I was so close and protective of myself. They saw that as a difference <laughs> that okay. no one else had. So was that, that played to your advantage? Yeah, that played to my advantage okay. to a certain extent. That's why that's when I first got my, uh, got my first girlfriend. <laughs> what grade was this? <laughs> this was in eighth grade. Eighth Once grade. I came in, in Japanese school, I, did, I thought I was ugly because I had no girlfriends and all the people that I thought was less uh, good looking than I am, they started to get girlfriends and moving up the adult's ladder. Right. <laughs> but so it changed it, once you got into international school. Yes, it did. So growing up, what language did you speak? I would say we spoke both, but more in Japanese. In from my memory, I believe we communicated within the brothers. We spoke in Japanese most often. I believe we were raised with both. Okay. So I don't feel like I've learned one after another. It was just the, the majority of the time, it was Japanese. I would okay. just say that. Right. When you were playing with your brothers? Yes. So did your father, did he speak to you in English or Japanese? Only in English. So from an early age, you yes. had to understand English. Exactly. So you always, you always knew what he was saying to you? Yes. Did you ever so feel we, like... We understood what he was saying, mm -hmm. and we understood both, but in thinking about it now, I believe we were better in English because that's the only books that we read. Speaking-wise, um, understanding, I believe we understood English better, but as in communication, we chose to use Japanese mm. because that was the language of my mother. And So he's, you spoke to your father in Japanese? Oh, no, in English. Oh, okay. In English. So it w there was a rule. So when we're speaking to our father, right. we only spoke in English. And right. when we're speaking to our mother, we only spoke in Japanese. What language did your mother and father speak? I, I would say it would be mainly English. Okay. But time to time, of course, to explain the nuance, right. um, she would use Japanese phrases sometimes. Oh. When she but was happy or mad? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Just in a nuanced case. Yes, I would say. So in Japan, yes. um, elementary school is up to sixth grade. Right. And we don't, we have middle school, but it's seven, eight, nine. Right? That we call that chugaku, as in middle education, one, two, three. In the American Western system, it would be six, seven, eight being middle school. In ninth grade being high school. Mm -hmm. So there is a difference there. Uh, in Japanese middle school, the second year of middle school, Chuni, mm. I left the school in Octo uh, sorry, August, right. because that's the starting year of the international or Western culture. Right. So moved into eighth grade. The first thing that I noticed was that I had no idea what they're doing. Everything was so new to me. Um, the educational system as well, but not only that, but the people there. 
they were more welcoming. They, they showed so much interest in me, which made my personality now. Because I was more, like I said earlier, uh, protective of myself, not to be bullied or not to be looked down on. So that's why I was present my self stronger. And I didn't even notice that until I lost. So now that I, now that I did, I believe this is more of who I really am. <laughs> because of the international system and the people that I'm friends with, mm -hmm. I think that really changed me a lot. So then after you finished school, international school, then what did you do from that? Did you go straight to college or did you start working or what? After high school, I had the chance to live in France for four months. Mm -hmm. And I was in the middle of nowhere. I lived with um, a kind family the host father, host mother, and their daughter, and a pet dog called Stella. She loved me. <laughs> you spent a lot of time yeah, with Stella? a lot of time just out on the field. Okay. So we went there, and I attended 11th grade again in high school. The thing is, I had no idea what they were doing. I was there. Why is that? Because it was all in French? It was all in French. Okay. It was all in French, and I barely spoke um, basic greetings and a few phrases just to pass the day or live. Mm -hmm. I knew how to say how I'm thirsty or I'm hungry or I'm mm -hmm. cold or hot or hello, goodbye, <laughs> but that was pretty much it. <laughs> so I could survive. <laughs> but now trying to understand or have an actual com conversation was a different story. So spent four months, did not get much out of it. I would say the experience did leave a huge chunk of something in me because I still remember it. It's been, right. what, 15 years right. ago. What do you mean a huge chunk of what? What do you mean? What was the feeling, you think? It's a mixture of regret. Should have been able to do more, but also a passion to do better so I could go back. Or that feeling of I have something to accomplish and that's something that I'm going to achieve by the time I <laughs> finish my life or by the end of my life makes me feel sad that I didn't do the best I could at that time but at the same time that's like a motive to me to go back to do what I wanted to do. Then when you came back what did you mm -hmm. do? The first thing was I had about I would say eight months till I started my semester in university. Okay. So during that time, I worked with my father teaching gymnastics, and that was pretty much it. I tried to gain skills by computer IT-related skills mm -hmm. by creating home uh, home pages and mm -hmm. whatnot. But that did help me learn the field. But I did that. I did not make that my pr profession at that time. So then. Um, after time passed, I went into university, Temple University, and started international business. I majored in international business. That, the time in university was also an interesting time in my life because I learned how to get a girlfriend better. Okay, all right. <laughs> so that was, that was my new focus, my new goal. <laughs> I noticed that I had a girlfriend, but I did not go beyond. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want you to catch my drift on that. <laughs> so that was one thing that I believe that I have not achieved. And I was already 20 at that time. And I didn't want to feel like I was left out in that field. <laughs> so, But you I, had a girlfriend in, high, in school, you said. But I didn't do anything. Oh, I see what so you mean. So it was okay. more okay. like right. we are technically um, <laughs> your boyfriend, girlfriend. I understand. But that was it. Okay. I would say international school helped me open up more. Now the experience in France, there was a couple more things that happened, but that made me, that helped me have more empathy towards people because I've seen so many people care for me while I was there. 
I so I wanted to care back. Mm. Now, in university, my road <laughs> to success was getting a girlfriend, <laughs> okay. a proper okay. <laughs> girlfriend, uh, and get into an intimate um, relationship. Now, I had no clue how to do that. Right. <laughs> so, Why did, do, you, did your father ever talk to you about that kind of thing, or your mother? Uh, yes, they, I would say they did. They helped me create what kind of relationship I would want to be in. Okay. But I've never, I would say I never learned how to get the girls. Okay. Maybe he gave me tips and tricks, but I was never, never able to use that in the, on, <laughs> in the field. Right. Because what about I didn't your older know. brother? What about your older brother? He seemed to be doing very well. Couldn't you get, did I he mean, give you any advice on how to? Time to time, I believe, if I asked for advice, for example, how to text back and so, yes. But that was how to get a girlfriend, not really the thing that I was looking for. I, I wanted see. to have an intimate relationship. Okay. Now, to do so, I've read a couple of book, books, and I'm actually proud to say this because I actually studied. <laughs> I believe I have more confidence <laughs> picking up, <laughs> I would say, the opposite sex okay. <laughs> than the average Joe <laughs> around there. Okay. And I believe by doing so, not only I got a girlfriend that I was able to have intimate relationships, that, that helped me gain, build my confidence as a man because now I know that it's possible. Now how old are you this time? I was, the thing is I was still 20 to 21. Okay. So for some people they would say, oh that's too late right. because in the international community they would say, oh you actually have an intimate relationship when you're in high school okay. or after prom or okay. that was supposed to be what the cool kids did. I see. I never considered myself the cool kid and yeah. But at the same time, I never thought I was the dorky one either. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I was somewhere in the middle. Okay. So I never, I just didn't understand why I couldn't be with the people that I really wanted to. Mm. Or we couldn't have the mutual feelings towards other. Maybe I was being too cocky. Maybe I wasn't, I wasn't really myself. Or maybe I didn't know how to express myself. But that's what I learned while reading books and actually taking action. And mm. that was the hardest part because I was turned down so many times doing awkward stuff. Like in college? In college. Okay. I was turned down so many times as a shame. All right. I gave out, because the book said you have to build confidence, being able to give stuff, I gave um, those crystals to girls okay. and say, I want it back. Okay. I want it back in try to make that a reason to continue talking to her. Later on, her, I heard from my other guy friend <laughs> that she was talking smack about me, oh, <laughs> saying, okay. how, saying how awkward I am. <laughs> but then I tried in a different way. Then after multiple failures, then there was success. It was interesting after getting success because then you get the role. What did you get, what did you do that, you know, gained you the success that you wanted? What do you think when you, when you said, what was the one thing or whatever you did that you said, now I got it? Mm. What do you think it was? I believe it was the confidence. While doing it, it became natural. Doing and, what? Uh, it's like giving presents out or talking, sweet talking. That was unnatural at first because it was coming out from the book. It wasn't me. I was just speaking from the book. Now, once it became me, once I started doing it and without having to even think, and it came out, I think that's when it hit. Okay. And it actually worked. And at the same time, I'm confident that I don't have to go back to the book, trying to look at, uh, pick up lines. Okay. And so, 
an actor coming out, every word coming out naturally, the flow starts to happen. You could actually feel it. I think you would really know when you have confidence because you would sense it. If you think you're having confidence or if while you think you have confidence, I don't think you're still there. Because when you do, you really know. When you know, you know. You know, you know. You can't half ride a bicycle. (laughs) And once you know how to ride, even if you fall, you know you can ride. And you you never say, oh, I actually fall a lot. You never say that. You know you can ride. And falling is part of the process. And so I think that's where I got to when it comes to picking up. How long did it take? You were 20, 21. How, how old was it? I mean, how many months or did it take you years before you got the skill? I would say the first three months was intense focus. But I started getting like consistent results. I didn't, I didn't go out with multiple people. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm committed. But <laughs> I would say the results actually came in after the six months period because the first three months I'm the most awkward person I could see myself back then and I'll be I would even think I'm awkward now that's the trial period then after that then you actually start getting a glimpse of success people are responding differently so even if I didn't get a girlfriend they are responding differently it's like more like they're attracted they're they're like oh okay (laughs) oh Lewis is talking to me (laughs) kind of look so I'm like, okay, it's going one way. <laughs> At least I could talk to girls now. <laughs> so well, you see that it's starting to work. You mm-hmm. have your confidence. Yes. And the girls are starting to respond the way you wanted them to. Mm-hmm. Did you know who you wanted to go after? Did you have anyone? I mean, because even now you have, a, I guess, more than two girls or mm-hmm. something that are attracted to you now. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? Did you, you can't beat them all. Yeah, that's one thing that I was having trouble with, too. I started to know that I was able to attract Mm. female, but then I was attracting the types I wasn't really interested in because uh, I would say I tried to compare. I want to have a mutual relationship. That's my ultimate goal. I just want someone that I could love with the same value. That was my ultimate goal, so it wasn't about playing around or catching most tail, as much tail as I can. But while I was speaking to many girls, I've noticed the girls without confidence started to like me, was attracted by the confidence, I would say. And the girls with confidence, now I'm at their level. So we're just equals. <laughs> so we were able to communicate, have fun and talk, but there was nothing more than that. Now the girls without confidence, they look at me as an idol. It's like, oh, there's a cool guy that talks to us too? I wanted to be able to be with someone with the same value. But I think the art of seduction plays to my benefit if, if that actually helps me achieve my goal. Mm. I don't necessarily think, I think manipulating is wrong. I wanted to benefit in a very positive way from that. Until I got to that point, um, I think it was a rough road because I was attracting the wrong person. And because I was attracting people, I started only looking at looks just to because I thought okay well if I'm gonna learn I just have to you know get in a relationship I can't just start like that right and of course we had some serious um, I had serious relationships with people never thought about cheating because that wasn't my goal but then it didn't come out the way I wanted because I believe because of the value no but I always were you you clear on the values that you had I thought I was but I think there was confusion in what I was looking for in what the 
other side was looking for. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate the really all the relationships that I had because I've learned always learned from that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever did anyone wrong from that. But I just had um, my goals and they had theirs and we weren't able to work together. So anytime we separated, it was because of the value differences. It wasn't because someone cheated or someone someone did something, um, betrayed others. So it was none of that, never, never happened. And at the same time, I believe I started to uh, gain self-doubt after the relationships that I've had. I started to think if I could use the book to any one of these people, doesn't that mean I'm not the one that's attracting others. Isn't it the book? Is my doubt. Then I started to lose confidence because I'm attracting the wrong kind of per people. So I'm like, maybe they're just attracted to the skills on the book and that's not me because that's not what I'm looking for. On the book, they're talking about how many tells they could get. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm because my goal is to be with the right person, with the right values. So maybe, so I started to change what I was doing. I still use that as entertainment because it still does work. <laughs> as mm -hmm. Entertainment as in to entertain people, I as in that confidence. Right. But then I started to th rethink and wanted to be more authentic. And then I've noticed that the confidence that I had in the past was still not the true confidence. <laughs> I was, it was the confidence or made by a book or self-belief mm -hmm. so i don't know what you consider confidence but to me back then it was confidence in the wrong direction because i wasn't i was still not being authentic i was just basing everything on the book and just knowing the book mm -hmm. from the end to end the thing right now is the apps are so much more accessible to people in younger generations without even any technical knowledge mm -hmm. that's why they're just using it much more and so it's more popular they don't talk to each other then do they the same way? Do they have the mm -hmm. skills that you had to learn from reading the book? Could a young man go out and do what you did and talk to today? Do you think they have the same kind of confidence to go out and talk to the opposite sex? They would need some sort of confidence regardless because I don't think they have to do the exact same thing because I don't think I did the exact same thing um, compared to the people before me. Right. So there is always a different way of achieving it but right. Ultimately, when you narrow it down, it's about how much confidence you have. Okay. So if you're confident in texting and getting the right partner, maybe that might be the way. But in my case, I wanted to see a face-to-face. -face. And I used to use texts as a vehicle to get me there. But at the end, I wanted to see that person by face and actually communicate to see what their values are, what comes out their mouth directly, rather than having the time to put it on word, put mm -hmm. it into words. So then I think that's how I choose my partner. So how long did you stay in Temple? Did you go all the way through? I never finished it. Okay. Um, I was in there for two years and a half. During that time I was accepted as student government president. And then being able to talk to the administration and the dean and also with the students, I've noticed that this is not the place to be. The school was not the, the place to be. The school wasn't the place to be. I don't know how it is right now, right. but at that time, it felt to me that the students had a lot of issues and they were always complaining about the administration. The administration was always complaining about the students complaining. Now, they, the administration being you were student, You were student body president yes. at that time. For how long was that, a year? About a year. A year. So you had to try to get this, the administration yes in connection with the student body. Mm -hmm. So you had to know both sides. Exactly. And they both had a fair point. 
Okay. They had a fair point and I just wanted to be the bridge so I could actually solve all their issues or make the life, the life experience during the time here much better. Did you? I believe I've set a good platform for the next president too. What did you, forward. what were some of the things you felt that you brought together that weren't together before? The administration really liked us. Oh, so you guys, oh, so you mean, so you brought, they became more social, I yes. guess. Okay. And I would say we were actually building a platform. We created bylaws, which we didn't necessarily have, mm -hmm. so we could actually stick with the plan. So all of that was done within a year, right? Oh, throughout the year, I would say. We kept on changing the amendments, and we kept on having meetings mm -hmm. to actually benefit the students and all the club activities so they could have a better time to achieve what they really want to hear. And on the educational side, that was really up to what the administration, the deans, the teach, the professors wanted to do, so we didn't have much control over that. But we were always just stating what we wanted to happen or what the student wanted to change. Then I've heard after I left, I left when I quit um, president, there was a person who I appointed vice president, become president. After that, I believe he was very good. He helped me out throughout the whole year. I believe he did an even better job once he was appointed president. And so I was very proud of that. <laughs> but in any case, um, I was really happy for him. That's good. Are you still in contact with him? Time to time, he left, he went overseas, mm. and he comes back once in a while. And we do, we do try to meet, but then he has to leave again, so. Okay. We never had the chance to, and since then we never really talked. What did you do after college then? Where did you go from there? From that, uh, I worked with my father, and then I wanted to see how other business were run. I just got a part-time job at one of the phone companies, and I was just doing sales. Uh, I was a contractor, okay. and I've uh, noticed that I really like technology <laughs> and small gadgets. Now, after six months there, I moved into one of the bigger IT corporations, still, still a sales clerk at the time, but then moved into actually repairing it. Once again, I've learned that I still have passion for fixing small stuff or repairing or creating mm -hmm. things, and I do have passion to help other people solve their issues. <laughs> and now I'm here. So you still, so you still do that? Yes, I you still do, do right that. Now, yeah. yes. So you like talking with people, you like mm -hmm. selling, yes. you like fixing yes. electronics. Anything else that you do? I do make jewelry, jewelry in my uh, spare time. What type of jewelry? Right now I have the necklace that I have, the pendant that I wear right now is something that I created. One of my rings, I have multiple at home. Right. <laughs> but one of it's here with me. You make them for your personal use or you make them to sell? Right now it's mainly for personal use because okay. I noticed that I need, I want to gain more skill. Okay. Yes, so I could build confidence okay. <laughs> in my product. <laughs> so once I have a good design, then I try to create it, mm -hmm. then see if it's worthy or not. <laughs> right. So I have a few designs left, but I have never released it to sell yet. But okay. that is still my, my goal. So within next year, I have a plan to sell. I'm just trying to structure the platform. Mm -hmm. Is that your real hair? Yes, it is. It Indeed. is? It looks like it's fake. A little frizzy. It looks fake. No, it looks <laughs> fake. It looks like you're wearing a cap. That's really Actually, yours? It's right. That's really you yours. You can see the hairline. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Still. Right. So, <laughs> I get when that you, a lot, When though. you get up in the morning, is it smashed to one side? Or do you wear a cap to sleep? <laughs> 
I do have a nightcap now. Is it do? Is it do rag? <laughs> no, no, it's like an actual. What do you call it? A cook hat? You know those? No, you puffy mushrooms. Is that what you wear? <laughs> oh, a what? puffy mushroom cap? Because <laughs> I used to wear. What I used to do is, you know. Back in the 50s and 60s, yes. women had single leg stockings. They weren't pantyhose. Oh, yes. And they had this thing they wore around there and they clipped it up to oh, them. Yes. So I used to take my mother's old stockings mm -hmm. and I'd cut them around the knee, tie a oh, yeah. knot into it, and put it over my head mm -hmm. and, and do that. And then, but the only problem is it leaves a mark <laughs> on your head. And you have to wait till like midday before the mark <laughs> your head stops having yeah. the crease in between. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as an African-American? Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself as a Japanese person? Mm -hmm. What do you see yourself as? I see myself as... Uh, individual, as in Lewis Lee, would be. And if I have any strong resemblance with others, that would be only with the Lee family, is how I see myself. So I never thought of myself as an African-American, per se, or a Japanese person. I know that I am, but that's differing, different from associating myself with a specific race. Right? I can't say I'm fully African-American or fully Japanese because I'm not. I'm both. So having both, I do understand both cultures. And because my father's in growing up looking at my father's culture, I could associate myself in a bunch of, for example, um, movies. And I could also do that in, in the Japanese movies too. But then do I think I'm exactly like them? No. And do I want to be exactly like them? Uh, no. <laughs> you never had a time in your life where you felt like, I really wish I were black or I really wish I was Japanese. I never did. Even looking back, I never did. And I think that's mainly because how I was brought up as a child. The thing that I always remember is my father telling me to love myself first, always. And he always told us that we were special, right? And we were different in a very positive way. As in, of course you're different. You're mixed. You're double. So I never took that as a negative thing and understood that I'm special in that sense. To a certain age, or when I was in my teens, when I was being cocky, I would use that as something that I held as a badge. I'm different from everyone and I'm cool that way. But then, of course, as time passed, I became more humble. And I appreciate the difference much more rather than using it as a tool to prove that I'm better. I never really thought that, but I was using that as an excuse to try to make myself look better than what I am. That was actually taking me down, I believe, because that was being fake. But at the same time, um, there's a couple of things that I think about myself. I really appreciate being black as well as being Japanese. And I, I appreciate that I have that mid-feature. In Japan, they could barely tell that I am uh, have American blood in me. <laughs> but then they're like, your hair's kind of too curly. Or you have a thicker lip than we do. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's a natural. <laughs> so, and when I'm in the States, they're like, you kind of look black but we can't fully tell if you are and so they think that i'm an islander right, right? and i'm like yeah that's nice too yeah, because wherever i go yeah. i look local that's <laughs> so, right so that's a benefit too but that that's something that i found out when i was overseas <laughs> i could say whatever i want and i could kind of <laughs> blend in yeah. so i never felt like i was left out or anything i thought i was just an individual and the people that i associate myself with was mostly my brother and there's four of us so that's enough people that i could associate <laughs> and feel confident <laughs>
<laughs> it's like there's enough of us. So. Do you think any of your brothers felt like they had issues or didn't feel good about? Because you can tell if someone doesn't like who they are. Or do you have any of your brothers feel that way? I don't really think so. I mean, you don't get that feeling, or you? No, get... I've heard story that they were were bothered by the fact that they were different in some way. But I never thought they turned that around and started hurting themselves. I I know everyone had confidence. So of course, I I have confidence in who I am. I never had um, an identity crisis mm -hmm. because we were told or we had a clear knowledge of who we are and it's okay to be different. That was our confidence. That's like the core. So never had that, never had to worry about who we are or where we came from. <laughs> you knew exactly where you came which from. I never felt that I belonged anywhere. So because of that reason, I don't have any attachment in a specific place. For example, this country. I was born and raised here, but I don't have any attachment in this country. I believe this is one of the best countries that you could live in because of the convenience and the people, and you could just walk into a store, not buy anything, come out, and you're there like, thank you very much. I don't think you get that kind of service in, your, in any other place. So because of that, I love living here, and I can't say for sure this is the best place because I haven't lived anywhere else long enough to really appreciate their culture or their way of doing it. Maybe I might love it. And then in that case, sorry Japan, I gotta go. <laughs> but there's much more benefit. I see much more benefit to me currently in this country, in the place that I live in, rather than trying to venture out in an unknown place, when I know I could do equally the same here. What about living in several places? I think a lot that's, of people do that. I think that's an option too. So be. I want to have a house in France because I do have some feelings towards that country. <laughs> I do want to live in France, but Mideast because I never, I've been there once in Dubai, to Dubai, but that's about it. I've heard Morocco is a beautiful country to live in. In Southeast Asia, the only country that I've been in the Asian area would be in Taiwan. And that place was very chill. It had a bunch of tapioca. <laughs> drinks every corner <laughs> and which was actually good too the night market was beautiful too so I would love to live in a place like that I would prefer warm climate <laughs> and friendly people <laughs> so yeah, maybe in one of the islands what kind of sports do you get involved in right now right now I don't do any sports. If you did do, do you have any sports interests that you'd like in the I'm, future maybe? I'm happy that I've learned gymnastics in our earlier age because that kind of tells me what I can do with my body, all the possibilities. And I know if I wanted to, I could go beyond. And I believe that helped me with my, uh, with my motor coordination Sweet. skills. And I believe that helped me do any sports that I want. I could do basketball, which a lot of people think I really do. <laughs> I'm real bad at it. Or soccer, or maybe surfing. In any sport, you need to have that balance, I believe. And I think gymnastics really helped me. So if I'm going to do any sports in the future, I would probably go towards martial arts, taekwondo, because I want to know how to learn how to kick. What kind of, uh, do you have any other activities that you like to get involved in? Yes. Like do you ride bicycle or mm -hmm. do you do you fly or do you parachute or do you rock climb? Or? My future plan is to get a pilot license okay. in any way. <laughs> I just, yeah. I would love to fly. Yes. But as for now, I ride a bike mm -hmm. because I love the wind. A bicycle? 
Uh, sorry, a uh, motorcycle. Okay. I own a large scooter now, but I want a sports bike. So maybe a Kawasaki. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, in the near wow. future. Something strong, maybe some the one that was on Top Gun, <laughs> the new one. Was that a it's Kawasaki? A H2, that's a H2, H2 Kawasaki. Yes, yes, right. In Japan now, the popularity of people that have African-American blood and Japanese blood is becoming big. But how do you feel about that? The Naomi Osaka's and the guy that runs track and mm -hmm. this guy in basketball. Oh, yes. And they both have fathers of color. Yes. They're not necessarily African-American, mm -hmm. but they could be Cuban or whatever. But yes. they're, you know, are Nigerian. What do you think about them? Do you feel like you associate with them or feel close? I don't necessarily associate myself with them. I think it would be better if there is an association because numbers does mean something. Would the association do what? Have both citizenship. <laughs> and because in Japanese oh, law... Oh, that's right. So that's in the Japanese reason why they, law, yeah, they yeah. want to have both the father and the mother's citizenship. Yes, you need to choose by the, the age right. of 20, I believe. Right. Yes, right. either you're Japanese or you're going you're to be nothing, a foreigner. Yeah. A foreigner, so, right. So in many cases, they move to a different country that allows dual citizenship, and they just keep it. Right. So that's the case. I'm not necessarily familiar with how they're processing their citizenship. So it's not that I can't associate them. I don't have enough information to make that association. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware that they're mixed, too. But that's about it. But there's, I don't know, a bunch of people that, that are mixed. So the same. The, the only difference is they're popular in Japan. There they used to be a big boom with European yes. and Japanese, including American, mixed being Genokai and yes. all that stuff. They're supposed to be the, the, the hot ones. Good looking. But they hot. still are because I'm, I don't see any half people of color in dancing with the girls and stuff oh, yeah. so much. So do you find any kind of, you're working in Japan. Mm -hmm. Do you find anyone ever coming and giving you a hassle because you have, um, you know, you're of color as well? Or do they assume right away? Do you always tell everybody that you speak Japanese or do you? In many cases, they're confused. I'm a person with color who has Japanese nationality with the name Lee. <laughs> they have no idea who I am. So I come up, I either say, oh, I'm Lee or I'm Lewis. Now they look at me and they're like, but you look Japanese. With the hair right now, they might think differently, but usually I have it gelled down. So they just think I've gotten a perm, okay. right? And I have the Japanese eyes, Japanese smile. Right. <laughs> they would say, are you mixed or double? When they use the word mixed or double, I know they're in an international community because if they're not, they would usually use the term half. Half, that's yes. all, right. And that's about it. And they really assume, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so never had a hassle because of that, but I did have to explain multiple times. And you still do? I still do. Does and that bother you at all? Uh, no, not at all. Mm. Because that's the way I, uh, I look. And of course they're going to feel that way. If I, This is the face, the hair. It's like a uniform to me. Something that, something that I'm not planning to change at all. So there are assumptions that people could make. Some may be offensive if they go in the wrong route. But usually they just ask me a question. So there's no reason to be offended. Because because I do look that way. I do look mixed. I'm, I'm pretty aware how I look. So, so some people, uh, the things that some people assume that might be offensive to people who do not speak English is when they look at a different face, a face that's a bit different 
by a Japanese standard, they would assume that we speak English. Fortunately, I do. <laughs> right. But for some people who don't, that's, right. that's, that's very offensive to them. Right. It's like, just because of my looks. They want to be fully Japanese. They want to fit in. Or, yes. That's basically like that doesn't necessarily mean that I speak English. Right. Because they think we're in Japan. Mm -hmm. I should, you should assume yes. I speak Japanese first. Right. And everything. Is well, in France, they would. So, yes. So <laughs> I, France, they, I don't care what you look like. They expect you to speak French. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Yes. So I understand their point of view. And I really, I believe I get offended in some things that other people don't, too. So I'm not going to say which is right or wrong. But I do understand that in many cases, with the same questions that I get, other people's will get other people will get offended. But because of that, would I try to correct the person that asked the question? No, I wouldn't correct it. But I will share more information so they have much more awareness. Then maybe that person might say it to someone else, and maybe if they ask the question like, "Oh, does this offend you?" Then I would be honest about it. Oh, actually, these these things could, but not me. <laughs> and maybe next time they would they would save themselves <laughs> by not offending others. So That's true. there's a question I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, yes. and it goes something like this: If you could go back in time, mm -hmm. knowing what you know now, yes. the Lewis you have right now, and you could give advice to the younger Lewis, mm -hmm. what time would you go back to, and what kind of advice would you give to that Lewis? I would go back to when I was 17, 16, 17. That's when I moved into the international school. So I believe I was in high school, in ninth grade, about ninth grade. That's when I really clicked in wanting to start my own business. And I had all these plans, I was motivated, and I was trying to take action at that time. I would say to myself to read more books <laughs> about, about finance and actually starting a business because I've learned that I think I'm starting to catch on it right now and I believe everyone has their own path. I believe right now is the time for me that I'm learning. If I'm ever going to take back any information, I would want him, younger Lewis, to know what I know now. But I wouldn't force him because it's still his own path. He would, I believe I'm the way I am because of what I had in the past. But I would probably be in the shadows throwing books at him. <laughs> Say, ha, ha. <laughs> it's like this one. <laughs> so, That's fantastic. Yeah. And I'll keep on doing that. <laughs> Lewis, thank you so much. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Remember to press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all unknown. So continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed.